Hello, and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast, being recorded in the beautiful Hampton Inn and Suites, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Today's focus, off the Eaton Path, North Carolina style. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Off the Eaton Path, North Carolina style, or as I should have possibly titled this episode, No Good Deed Goes Unpunished. And I happen to be enjoying a can of the Shape of Hops to Come Imperial India Pale Ale, which thankfully tastes a lot better than it is easier to say its name. So last week I found myself once again back in Cleveland, Ohio, and had a Thursday, roughly afternoon-evening flight back to Orlando. And one of the downsides of Cleveland, I'm sure there are many, uh, with Southwest Airlines is that there's no direct flight, so you're going to be connecting. So I connected in Chicago Midway on the way up, and my plan was to take a 5 o'clock flight out, connect over in Baltimore somewhere around 7, get back on another plane around 9, 9.30, and land back in Orlando somewhere around midnight on Thursday. So I found myself at the airport several, several hours early, right around lunchtime on Thursday, and decided to walk over to the one of the gate agents and uh, told them that I had prayed to the airport airline gods that morning and had asked for possibly the chance of catching an earlier flight home, anything earlier than getting in at midnight. And so he did the old tick, tick, tick on the keyboard. If you ever watch Meet the Fockers and the scene with Ben Stiller, the gate agent, we really have no idea what in the world they're typing, but they just feverishly peck away at the keyboard. And sure enough, he came back and he said, here's what I can do. I can get you on a 105 that puts you into, again, Baltimore, somewhere around 2, 2.30, and then boarding a 4.30 flight out of Baltimore, putting you back into Orlando somewhere around 7 p.m. I'm like high-fiving him, high-fiving myself. I'm like, let's go, go through TSA. And as I uh, start heading over to the gate, I can see that there is some commotion in the boarding area. And there was a flight that was headed into uh, Las Vegas. And for whatever reason, I don't, I'm not sure what, I kind of got there you know, with only an hour to spare before the flight. I didn't get the whole lowdown, but it looks like they had given planned had given the Las Vegas passengers our plane. They were having some kind of problem with the plane, who knows what. And so they were kind of shuffling gates around and uh, said that we would be delayed, delayed roughly a half hour, meaning we'd leave there probably one thirty or so. Again, no big deal. Um, I had a roughly four thirty five o'clock connection at BWI. It's only an hour flight. No, no skin off of, of my knees, so to speak. And then all of a sudden, about a half hour later, they come on the PA and said, hey, we have got your plane. It's actually the flight that was going to go to Vegas that we did the old plane swap with. And the issue is that it's carrying too much fuel to put us into uh, Baltimore. They just didn't want to fly the plane with that much fuel, didn't want to land it. So we're going to take it over to the fuel depot and offload I don't know how many tons of fuel. And we should be yet another hour or another half hour delayed, meaning we looking at a uh, wheels-up time of some time around 2 p.m. No big deal. 
So we're all sitting around there, and all of a sudden on the overhead comes the announcement <laughs> that says, anybody that is making a connection off of this flight into Orlando, please come see the gate. So that was me. So I walk up to the gate, and they say, um, it looks like with this delay, you're probably going to miss your connection coming out of Baltimore, but don't worry about it. There's actually a 7 o'clock flight out of Baltimore. You'll have plenty of time. I'm like, nah, no big deal. And it, so they reassign me a new boarding pass and all that good stuff and head back over to the gate to take my position at A20. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the captain of our flight walks past us, which is never a good sign. Once the, the pilot's usually on the plane and he walks back the other way, it's basically a, a clue for bad things are about to happen. And so he comes on the, the microphone, keys it up, and goes, and he sounded just like Napoleon Dynamite. He was like, I hate to tell you folks this, but during the offloading of the fuel, something has happened to our plane, and his exact words were, which makes it illegal for this plane to fly. And so we're all thinking, what in the world? He says, but have no fear. <laughs> there will be another plane here. We're flying one in. It should be here in about three and a half hours. And the guy next to me, I, I'm sure he was going on vacation. He starts just losing his mind over it, which, look, I understand. Vacation time, it comes once a year, maybe twice a year if you're lucky. I completely get it. So about that time, I'm like, well, I got three and a half hours to kill. Ended up deciding to walk down to the concession area. They had a Shake Shack and ended up meeting a couple of the other people that I had been in Cleveland with. Apparently, everybody's flight was delayed. So we loaded up on some burgers. And a couple hours later, we decided to head back over to our gate. And I was flying with another guy. We were on the same, same flight. And only to find out that our flight has yet been pushed back again another 30 minutes to somewhere after 5, 5.30. So after getting to the Cleveland airport at 11.30 in the morning, I'm finally getting on a flight six hours later, uh, managed to make my connection in Baltimore with, with literally probably 10 or 15 minutes to spare, getting into O-Town about 9.30 that night, roughly two and a half hours of my originally scheduled flight. So the beauty and joy of travel, or when, uh, as they say, no good deed goes unpunished, I thought I was in the clear with an extra five hours of evening time, only to have that cut in half. Now here's a tip for all you baby road warriors. Uh, if you use the Southwest app and your flight is rebooked you know, for a delay or whatever, and especially if it requires a new aircraft, do yourself a favor and go ahead and go to the gate agent and have them print you out a paper ticket. One of the downsides of the Southwest app is that your originating flight, if it has been changed, will actually disappear off your app. So if you get back in line and you go to, to plan to check in and, sh and scan that QR code, you're going to find out that there's no QR code to scan. Now, one exception to that is if you actually take that boarding pass, and I know on the iPhones it works. I, I think it works on the droids. If you add that boarding pass to your wallet, that does seem to preserve and, and keep it there, so you can get back on the plane. If you don't use any airline apps, here's another baby road warrior tip, and you have a paper boarding pass, hold on to it 
until you get to your destination. Even if they, if you board the plane, do not throw that thing away. Do not put it in the seat back pocket because if you ever get off that plane and you have to get back on it, you're going to need that paper ticket to do it. So just a couple of words to the wise. Hold on to that ticket. If they change your flight or, or uh, switch aircrafts on you, double check that app and make sure that boarding pass is still there. So like I said, tonight's focus is off the Eaton Path, North Carolina. And my family has a ton of history in North Carolina. My grandmother's brother was president of Lenore Ryan College from 1949 to 1967. And because I was so intrigued, I actually looked up and saw that in 1965, the school's enrollment was 1,200, which I think the youngest member of Chateau Relaxo high school graduating class for her is pretty close to 1200 in 2015 it was 2300 and i'm not much of a statistician but i can tell you that i don't think that's that great of a an increase but however the uh that kid across the street from me at chateau relaxo actually graduated high school last year and he is playing baseball for them as a freshman so that was kind of cool to see that uh, another connection was, for years, my parents lived in the Asheville area, and my mom managed the Old World Christmas Shop. So if you're one of those people that love Christmas year-round, which she did not, <laughs> but uh, they have a really cool historic village there, the Biltmore Village, where all the construction and artisans that built the Biltmore man- Mansion actually lived in those buildings while they were building the mansion, and they've now converted them into stores. And after she worked there for a number of years, she went on to a place called T.S. Morrison's, which was in the downtown area. And T.S. Morrison's was a tribute to the five and dimes that I grew up with, that my parents grew up with, the Ben Franklins, the Woolworths, that had just about everything from penny candy to uh, farming implements. And unfortunately, it shut down, uh, but a place called Lab, the Lexington Avenue Brewing Company, pulled it back from the ashes, and unfortunately, it shut down in the last six months or so. And for me, the summers of my formative years were spent in Black Mountain, North Carolina at Camp Ridgecrest. I never went to college, and so I really take to heart those relationships uh, that I had over the years at, at camp. I mean, a lot of male bonding times, minus the girls and the booze that are so often affiliated with college. At camp, we set out on three- and four-day hikes from the Appalachian Trail to uh, Mount Mitchell to the Linville Gorge. I mean, we were always doing something, rafting the Nantahala. And, you know, as, as goofy as it sounds when you're a teenager, there was a lot of focus on what was doing right and good, not only for ourselves, but to others. And actually, the camp director there was one of my counselors in the 70s. So 42 years later, he's still there getting it done. So when it comes to North Carolina, there's absolutely no shortage of good places to eat. One of the places that I love to go to, and I haven't been there probably in about eight or nine months, is in Colfax, North Carolina. It's called the Moose Cafe. And the Moose Cafe is actually located inside the Piedmont Farmer's Market. And most farmer's markets will offer some kind of an eating establishment or restaurant inside the farmer's market itself. And don't pass them up. I mean, it's as close as you can get from farm to table um, unless you happen to own 100 or 150 acres that you farm. You know, my last visit there was on a very cold and wet, rainy uh, fall day and started the meal out with these fist-sized, probably not take that back, these 
biscuits the size of your head with some homemade apple butter. Perfect way to start a meal on a uh, a cold and rainy fall day, which of course led me into ordering the uh, the chicken and dumplings. And picture, if you will, this just thick, warm chicken broth filled with chunks of uh, white chicken meat, breast meat, and these perfectly done homemade dumplings. I mean, just as soft and flavorable, just the amount, right amount of salt and pepper. Perfectly, perfectly done. Probably some of the best I had. Uh, my dining partner went with the meatloaf, and their slice was no lie. Two inches thick. I don't know how they, I don't know how they make any money, but they certainly do. There's also a restaurant in the farmers market in Raleigh. There's one in Asheville, and uh, my wife and I, when we took the Chateau Relaxo spring tour last year in Nashville, the Nashville farmers market also offered a a restaurant. So if you're near a, a stop on your trip and they have a farmers market, spend a few moments, find out if they've got anything inside more than likely you will not be disappointed. From Colfax, we're going to go a little bit west, maybe a little bit north, into the Banner Elk area of North Carolina, uh, close to Beach Mountain, if you've ever heard of that or familiar with that, the Banner Elk Cafe. And so the Banner Elk Cafe, or the Banner Elk area, also hits home. During the late 70s, there was a huge push uh, from developers up in that area as they swung down through Georgia and Florida, and they'd set up kind of like the... Uh, the multi-level marketing guys did at the local hotel, but they were actually selling real estate up in the Banner Elk and Boone area. My parents looked, we went up there, that was actually had a small amusement park called the Land of Oz, which was kind of themed or positioned after the Wizard of Oz. And I think that you can still, on a few weekends throughout the year, rent cabins there, but it's now defunct. It, it really never really took off. But my in-laws actually ended up buying a place there. They still have it. One of the allures of the Banner Elk Beach Mountain area was the house, houses were round. And the running joke in my family was that mom or dad could never make you go find the corner of the room because, well, they weren't. All the rooms were, were somewhat round. So besides the skiing in the winter and the beautiful fall foliage, there's not much more of a reason to to visit the Banner Elk Beach Mountain area unless you do have a summer home or a cabin but if you get up there check out the banner elk cafe they have trivia on tuesdays and karaoke on thursdays you get a free view of the mountains while you're there but since this is about food start your meal with their bang pow shrimp which is of course a takeoff on the bonefish grill bang bang shrimp but it's golden fried popcorn shrimp tossed in a thai chili sauce with toasted sesame seeds scallions and carrot straws so they give you all that Minus the extra bang that uh, Bonefish seems to give you. One of my favorite meals there was the pecan-encrusted trout, sautéed and, and drizzled with this just a wonderful, flavorful honey lemon uh, Bureau Blanc sauce. So that's the Banner Elk Cafe, Banner Elk, North Carolina. From there, we're going to come south a little bit towards the I-40 corridor and the Black Mountain Ale House, which, of course, is located in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Not too far from the campgrounds that I spent my summers at. And again, I found myself here on a rainy uh, Sunday afternoon. And actually, I was, I was glad that I did. I was, it was, this place is kind of tough to find. It's tucked down a set of stairs off of Cherry Street, but it's worth finding. 
my wife and I both ordered the adult grilled cheese, and I think we got a side of their oven-roasted wings. Everything was top-notch. You know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for grilled cheese. I'm a sucker for wings. And like I said, neither one of these let us down. I went with a honey and sriracha glaze on it. Totally delicious. The grilled cheese was as hot and gooey and better than my mom ever made. And plus, the uh, their bread was soaked in extra butter. So if I had a fat guy voice, I would probably be able to order that with my fat guy voice because you'll definitely not leave the table hungry. You know, the Asheville area, which Black Mountain's not that far from, is an amazing beer hub from Wicked Weed to Sierra Nevada. Everybody's pretty well represented there. And our waiter knew his beer, not only in the I-40, that Asheville area, but all throughout the state and up through the, the southeast coast. So if you find yourself in Black Mountain, look up Black Mountain Ale House, have a beer, and tell them that I sent you. Last stop is in Asheville, North Carolina, and this is the White Duck Taco Shop. And I believe they have a couple other locations throughout the state now. They've been expanding this is another one that's tough to find. It's in the River District. If you ask anybody, they'll be able to point you there. It's really eclectic. They do some amazing things with the food combination. Last time I was there, I went with a couple tacos, a Thai peanut and spicy chicken. The, uh, the Thai peanut was topped with this kind of a mango chutney, and the spicy chicken was a little bit grilled and had this compote of tomato and, and Thai spices that covered it. Each each bite of each, these tacos presented a completely different taste. I mean, it was truly amazing how as you went through this thing, you started with the heat, it went to the sweet. You could taste everything different in every single bite that you took. And the, don't pass on the queso, some of the best I've ever had. Asheville's a great destination. If you find yourself in Asheville, hunt down the White Duck Taco Shop. You'll be glad you did. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening, and safe travels. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.